Welcome to First Turn, where we play board games for the first time and discuss our immediate reactions. It's like book club, but for board games. I'm Eric, and with me is Alexi, Ernesto, and Stephanie. Hello, I'm Hel- Stephanie. Hello, I'm Ernesto. Hi, I'm Alexei. Today we're going to be playing This War of Mine, designed by Michael Orax and Jacob Wisniewski. The artists are Mazram, Paul Nizalek, and Michael or- Orax. Oh, and uh, Peter Gasek. Published in 2017 by, by Galacta and 11-Bit Studios. The description is, This war of mine pictures the drama of civilians trapped in a war-torn city. You will enter this experience as a group of civilians trapped in a besieged and conflict-ridden city, enduring many hardships that often test the essence of humanity. During the daytime, you will take shelter in a ruined tenement house. Tenement house. Which you will care about and manage by removing rubble, searching through various rooms. You will build beds, improvise workshops, stoves, tools, water, water filters, small animal traps, and cultivate improvised vegetable gardens. Fix the shelled facilities, reinforce security, and should winter come, try to keep warm. Upon nightfall, your main duties will consist of guarding your shelter and what little possessions you can accumulate against bandits and raiders. Those in your group fit for such a task will use the cover of night to carefully explore dozens of ever-changing locations scattered throughout the dangerous city in search of all the things that a person needs to survive. Your goal is to survive until the cessation of war hostilities. The mechanics are action point, cooperative, dice rolling, events, grid movement, narrative choice, push your luck, role-playing, scenario, simulation, solo solitaire, storytelling, variable player powers, and worker placement. Uh, and the box art, uh, who would like to describe the box art? Got a man standing in front of what looks like a bunch of other people that look lost, a military vehicle in the background, making up a bunch of smoke in a completely rubble filled street with a blown out apartment complex or condo building next to it. And a large, just desecrated high rise in the background, nice, gloomy, black and white scenery everywhere. Excellent description. Um, yeah, and even like the the title, of this war of mine looks like a bombed out lettering or something. Looks like a it's bloody got like handprint. A, yeah. All right. Uh, so based on all this, would you pull it off a shelf, Stephanie? I have to think about that for a second because yes, I probably would, but it also confused me because <laughs> it almost looks like it's supposed to be a book more than a board game, just like. The way that I'm also looking at like the spine of it more. I know I can look at the other side, but it just feels more like it's a book than a board game. And it's kind of weird, but yes, I probably would. Um, No, I would pull this off the shelf and be like, this is going to ruin my day. Let me just put (laughs) this back and uh, find something pleasant to spend my time on. I mean that in a, in a good way. Like this just doesn't appeal to, this doesn't appeal to me personally. Ernesto doesn't like being sad. I don't like being sad. And this looks like it's going to be very, very sad to discuss. Like it, it's, it's black and white. You have a little splash of yellow, but it's, it's very like, um, depressing, depressing. Yeah. That's yeah. a good word for it. Uh, Alexi. Definitely enough to look into more. It's they're very distinct compared to most board game boxes out there as can be said by it looking almost like a book. Uh, definitely when I see the fact it can support six players, though, I'm a fan of games that can go uh, above four, especially cooperative. I, I would. I was interested in this game a while ago. I think 
I was looking for like a challenging cooperative game. I think I, that's why I ended up with Robinson Crusoe over this, um, which is Ernesto's favorite game. Um, so I, I'm very interested in it. I know it's going to be, uh, I like games that sort of are like challenging topics that take on challenging topics and do it well. So I'm curious about that. Obviously if they don't do it well, um, that that's a big, big risk to take when you're making a game. And then mechanically, a, a lot of mechanics I like there, push your luck, storytelling, role-playing, uh, simulation. I like all those kind of, kind of mechanics. So. All right. Uh, how do you think it's played? Uh, I mean, I imagine you probably have some sort of like hub area where it's like, this is where everybody is stationed. You have like probably levels of food and water you need to maintain, like basic levels of like utilities, electricity, maybe, I don't know, or some source of light. And then I would imagine that when things are not um, going to shit, when it's safe to venture out, you know, you go out, devote your, your time and your people to doing certain tasks, bring back what you can and hope that, uh, what you brought back was enough to last like a the next couple day. nights around. Yeah. I feel like it'll never be safe to venture out. That was a really uh, boldly optimistic safe. statement. You just Safer, there. relatively speaking. I don't think there's going to be a safe. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so let me rephrase that then. Um, and you're a bourgeois uh, war-torn rubbled out building that has electricity still. I mean, like you can <laughs> generate electricity, you know, never mind. I'm sorry. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I'm still not sure if we're going to be controlling one character or multiple or if there's going to be like some shared worker placement in the hub and we still have a separate character, that's going to be interesting how the cooperative part of this ties in if we're not just one character. Maybe See, we're all playing the same character. I feel like it, when I just look at this, it kind of reminds me of Dead of Winter. Yeah. For those who've played it or not played it, you play as multiple characters and you're all sending out all your characters to like go gather supplies and stuff. So that's kind of what I picture when I look at this is that we're playing as like maybe five characters and you have to like, split them up and you're probably going to lose them. They're probably going to die, but you have to go out and get supplies and stuff. So I'm also really curious. I know the win condition as listed was to survive until, um, peace or one side fire basically. Yeah. But I wonder if there will be other options such as, you know, refugeeing out of what horrible place <laughs> this looks like. So this is based on a video game. Nobody's played that game, right? No, yeah, I nope. haven't no, I, I am curious. Do you know if this is set in like a, a real place or no, is it like very, fictional? Um, vague on the setting. I do think. Um, I think that's a good call. There's probably yeah, probably yeah. Don't I think base. obviously this was created by a Polish studio, so I think there's a lot of inspiration from what the Poles went through. Um, it seemed like they also modernized it, so it's a lot of. Um, it seemed like to take a lot from. Um, um, no, no, in the '90s in um, like Bosnia and. Um, uh, Serbia and, uh, and the former Yugoslavia. I think they took a lot of inspiration from that just because, um, just to modernize it. But I think a lot of, um, uh, Polish, uh, influence went into this, obviously. Speaking of the fact that it is a video game, is it the same creators? I think 11 bit studios is the, um, video game publisher. We can look that up. And so I think they worked with, uh, Galaxia. Galacta to kind of do the board game. Okay. That's my guess. All right. You ready for an exciting history lesson? Is it going to be happy? No. Nope. I can't imagine. <laughs> it's 1939. The Soviets and Germans have invaded Poland. When the Polish army was captured, Jan Karski quickly ripped off his officer's insignia, distorted his surname, 
and was mistaken as a private and handed over to the Germans, which avoided his fate of the fellow of his fellow officers, where the Soviets would execute 22,000 Polish officers in the Katyn massacre. Uh, so they executed the officers because it was like the ruling class. And then the enlisted folks were sent to Germany because, uh, you know, uh, communism. So it says quick thinking and ability to blend in would become a trend for him who then escaped German custody during a POW transfer train just by jumping off the moving train in the middle of the night oh, shit. Uh, as people were shooting at him, as the guards were shooting at him from the roof and headed to Warsaw and joined the underground. Uh, and so that's uh, two daring escapes and World War II has been going on for three months at this point. Uh, he'd become a courier because he had, uh, they think he had like a uh, basically photographic memory so he could memorize things. And there was only the risk of torture to lose that information. <laughs> Only the risk of torture. Yeah. Um, like, we're getting there. Oh, uh, oh, so he was a courier between the resistance and the exiled government and other underground troops around Europe, as well as the French, British and American governments. And during his second mission, he was captured by the German Gestapo who had been like hunting him this whole time. And he was tortured and he attempted to kill himself to avoid giving up the information. And in that process, he was taken to a hospital and thanks to some Slovakian sympathizer, he escaped and returned yeah. to Warsaw. Uh, and he was smuggled into the Warsaw ghetto twice to observe the conditions there, uh, which I believe is essentially what we're going to be playing in this game. Uh, and that's where he learned that Jews were being transported out, which he then infiltrated the Izbica trans transit camp, which is where they were transporting people out of Warsaw and to Auschwitz. Um, and he was dressed up as a Ukrainian guard. Um, and there he would get firsthand information about the extermination camps and seeing people crammed into the cars like cattle. And he would then be tasked with traveling to London and Washington to give his firsthand reports to Churchill and Roosevelt, which would be some of the earliest firsthand accounts of the Holocaust to reach the outside world. Um, so he basically just went on a campaign to tell people and convince them that, hey, this is bad and we should, you guys should really stop that. Maybe um, do something, yeah. But, uh, I mean, at the time Churchill and Roosevelt were like, the priority has to be defeating the German army and then they can deal with the uh, rest of it with the, uh, the mass murder. So, yep. Okay. So, yeah. Kind of an example of not quite a citizen cause he was in the Polish army, but obviously an underground resistance movement. And there's a lot of, a lot of interesting stories from like the Warsaw underground. And oh, there's like yeah. And like how they smuggled him in through the sewers and. Basically, the um, the SS was was hunting these people like the whole time. Oh my god! And obviously, I went with Polish because I knew it was made by Polish people, and I didn't know too much about the game after that. But yeah, obviously, um, there's there's probably a lot of other crazy stories about people. So uh, now, do you want to know how to play the game? Um, no, no, I think we're just gonna go move some stuff around and then just say we won. Step one: randomly select the leader. I think we're all in agreement. Ernesto Thank is you, the leader. Congratulations, okay, Ernesto. Well, I tried. Um, there's nobody I'd rather follow into war. Yeah, you are our leader. We're all going to die horribly. I just want to let everybody know that. Here's my thing. Based on our Gloomhaven experience, Alexi will get me killed instantly. Stephanie's going to betray me. Yep. So that leaves you. Does this game have? No, but you know, I'm just saying in real life, I, I'd, I'd go with Ernesto. <laughs> I'm glad that I'm um, the runner up, I guess. Uh, you're the only, only viable option. Yeah, great. Good to know. So we're going to randomly select the leader and then we're going to draw three character cards. Each character gets a hunger token and then characters aren't assigned to players. We will all play them collectively. 
Okay. So when a choice has to be made, it's up to the current leader. And then, but then as uh, it'll have a bunch of like arrows in the book to say, this is when the leader passes. Oh, thank goodness. So there's sort of two ways we can go about this. We can come to a decision point and we can debate it and then make the decision, or we can just let the leader decide and then give them shit afterwards. Yeah, that's what's going to happen. That will always be what happens when I'm the leader. leader. Yeah, no, when I'm the leader, every miss, every thing, every decision I make is going to happen. We'll also do that to Alexi too. Why is there a player, is there any player unique mechanics then, or are we all just cooperatively decisions? It's all just a very quiet, it's more like a detective or a Sherlock kind of game where we're all. So there's really not a player maximum here. All right, so the phases of the game are going to be the morning where we're going to draw an event card and resolve it. So I don't have, there's not a lot of rules to start. It's basically, here's a setup page, go. Um, it's very much draw cards and resolve what it says. So I don't know what a lot do of the What you call specific. a game like that that expands its mechanics out of the start? I don't know, but I, I kind of like it because it's like, hey, I don't have to learn a lot like of rules. it's incremental. So then we move to the daytime where each character can perform three actions, such as actions on spaces they occupy, actions of fitting cards, or moving a character to a shelter card, flipping and resolving that card. So basically we're going to have a board and we're going to have like our, our um, tenement and we can move around that and do various actions to, uh, to basically keep things running. Uh, then dusk comes. Each character must drink water or suffer, suffer a penalty and each character must eat a food or their hunger raises. And those will have detrimental effects as you are unable to do that. The evening, each character is assigned a task. They can sleep in a bed if available to remove fatigue. They can sleep on the floor, which will lower fatigue. They can be on guard duty, which will raise fatigue. And there must be somebody always on guard duty every night. And we can go scavenging, which sends them into the city, which will raise fatigue. because they're not sleeping. If you are scavenging, you'll choose one of the three available locations, take equipment from storage, put the noise marker to one on the noise track, and then noise will be raised by various events. And uh, sometimes we'll have to make a noise roll. Um, which could potentially trigger some encounters. Uh, We'll draw exploration cards based on the location and then place them face down on the unknown space and resolve them one at a time, which will be potentially encounters, finding things. Um, And then we will choose our findings, such as wood components and water, and it's based on our weight. So the more people we send, the more we can carry back. Uh, Then we have a night raid. Uh, So we choose our weapons for the guards. We draw and resolve the top night raid card. And we roll combat as necessary. Seems like a, a fairly traditional roll and dice. And, um, and then dawn comes and we return our, sca- our scavengers return home. Uh, so they avoid the night raid. We assign med- med- medicine and bandages. And we draw a fate card. And we draw a narrative action card. So There's a lot of like rules I think are going to be on cards and things as we draw them. And they're going to tell us what to do. Um, I love games that do that. Yeah. It's a very story, story-driven game. It seems pretty reactive. Like, I don't know how much we're going to be able to plan ahead of time as much as it is just mitigate the damage that's caused by rain. I think we're going to have to do a lot of planning on our supplies so that we don't die of dehydration and starvation. I think it's a difference between you and me. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, I think one of you is going to plan and one of you is going to throw your hands in the air and declare death. Uh, If you go in there expecting death, anything that's not that is considered a victory. You need to go in there with the expectation that you're going to survive. So you plan for that. You know, agree to disagree. Let us play. Nope, that was wrong. Let's play.
we just started a game of this war of mine. To uh, recap, we made it through two of about seven days. Um, two days, nobody died yet, but uh, things are not great. Alexi wants well, to kill somebody. We killed someone. We killed a soldier. Well, none of our characters. We did not directly kill a soldier. We set up a trap that killed a soldier. He wandered into it and died from a completely unrelated stab wound. Yeah, I guess there's not too much to recap uh, in terms of like strategy and stuff. Just survival game. Um, what did you think of the theme? Did it capture being in a uh, war-torn hellhole? <laughs> Now, I can't speak from experience as I've never been directly in a war-torn hellhole. Um, it it felt felt very desperate. You were always running damage control. It never really felt like we had the upper hand. It was always um, how how not shitty can we make the situation? Which I also agree because like there's some games that are like survival related things. And at least first turn, you're like, okay, I feel pretty okay. And then it just kind of goes downhill from here. We did not feel comfortable even from like the get go. The, like, fir- the first card we drew. Yeah. First yeah. thing we drew was an immediate like screwed us over. And then every single action we took was just all pure bad. And it was like the struggle was was real. I have never seen a game more closely match its theme. Every the best you got was something less bad happening to you. And you had to claw for those moments. And there were a lot of times where. You got really questionable morality on what you were going to do to survive in just in the first two days. Speaking of uh, morality related things, uh, I know Alexi had brought it up, but it is a good idea to be aware that there should be some trigger related scenarios that happen in this particular game, which makes sense. It is a war related game. And there are some things that are pretty like, oh, OK, that's that's a big thing. Yeah, it deals with some heavy themes, but and more than just war themes. I definitely think there could be a, an insert in there on top of the rule book with a list of trigger warnings for this day and age. Um, I mean, that being said, though, like in spite of how hopeless everything felt, I also think it did a nice job of capturing. There's a little bit, a little bit. I mean, it's very small, but there is a little bit of hopefulness in there. Like we met people when we were out there. We did. We were out there scavenging like an apartment building and we found a dude who just wanted to talk. There's like a lot like not everybody is just out to kill you like a zombie apocalypse style thing. It's like there are a lot of. Just people who didn't want you to steal from them. But their yeah. stories weren't hopeful in the slightest. They were just other people also it's suffering. The band of humanity like coming together. And I don't yeah. think we, I think there's probably more of it. We just didn't get into, but um, you know, a little bit of just people trying to survive. Yeah. One of our major goals was to provide food for the people around us. And after we did that, they expressed their gratitude by helping us build a fucking heater. Right. But we would have never done that if they hadn't offered to do the heater in the first place. It's irrelevant. That's, that's how still, society works. Yeah, it's an I exchange mean, of things. Yeah. I just mean, there's no, I didn't get much of a theme of hopefulness from this game at all. Just constantly making bargains to survive. You spend like the morning, you spend the day and then you spend the night like struggling, scavenging, doing whatever you can. Little bits here and there. And then at the end of it, you get like a narrative action card. And from what we what we could tell, like it's the only one of the very few times the game actually gives you a choice in what happens to you. And they didn't seem bad. They seemed like a little a little thing to help you continue on to the next day. Do you know what I mean? Like it's it's that little that small seed of hopefulness in the middle of a roiling sea of absolute shit that helps you keep going. That's what I mean. Mm-hmm. It's not like Robinson Crusoe where it felt like the game and its creator both hated me and wanted me to suffer. Personally. Oh, I definitely feel like the game and its creator hate everyone that plays and wants them to suffer. This game much more so than Robinson Crusoe. To be fair, like 
within turn one, had things gone very wrong, we could have just lost immediately. I don't know. It, it feels different to me. I, I, in a way that I really enjoy, I enjoyed this game. I did not really enjoy Robinson Crusoe. I'm shocked by that. Robinson Crusoe allowed you to plan. Can, that's something about this game is you cannot plan. Maybe that's why you like it so much because every plan that you make gets immediately tarnished and ripped to shreds. So you're really acting reactively at all times. Robinson Crusoe was a game of a lot more planning. This game, the strategy kind of goes out the window for just trying to survive. Ernesto's the one that didn't want to plan. And here we are not planning things. Yeah, exactly. It's exactly what we thought it was going to be. I mean, I wouldn't say there's no planning. We did spend like 45 minutes planning out what thing to build. So like there's a lot of planning still, but it feels a lot more like you're, you're on the back foot. Like where we currently are, we've officially decided like one of our player characters just needs to die at some point because he's just too difficult to keep alive right now. Yep. It's rough. We had to not feed him. All right. Uh, table presence. What did you think of the table presence? Huge. It took up the whole table. It was pretty cool. <laughs> I mean, very fitting. A massive board with this kind of exploration aspect and a very well presented games table where you can put your cards everywhere and not feel like anything has to sit off the board other than uh, tokens. But I thought they did a great job with it. There are a lot of tokens. Uh, you're definitely going to want to split them up. And you're going to want to keep them organized because it is going to be, you're going to be going through them so quickly that you're not going to know if you're just trying to dig through a pile, it's not going to work. However, one thing I do really like is that um, they kind of keep the tokens color based on what like item you're going to be using. So like all food things or all things that are going to potentially make food or anything that like helps with stuff like that, are all green, anything that is kind of like a mechanical and that you use for building things are all gray. And then like weapons are like red, for instance. So all of those are kind of kept in the same like coloration and stuff. So that's pretty neat. Yes, yeah, so there's a lot of cards and it's a very dreary looking board, which fits the game, obviously. But I feel like it would not. If you're walking by it and you didn't know it wouldn't grab your attention, um, which is not as bad for this style of game, but just kind of. Something to note. It's sort of you'd walk by and you'd see a ton of cards and a ton of tokens and just sort of like a dreary black and whitish like thing with cards all over the place. And you might like probably wouldn't stop to check it out, maybe. But um, I don't know that that hurts this game. Just something to note. Also, the, the weird thing was like the water token was like that weird like bubble crystal thing instead of like a water icon like everything else. That was just a weird choice to me. I didn't dislike them, but it was kind of like, why isn't this just like a bottle of water or something? The other strange thing about the board is that most of the board is unused and is placement for where you put the cards. There are so many cards, like Eric had mentioned, that like the most of the board is just you put your fake card over here and you put your other card over here and you put every card somewhere on this board. And then there's like a small area that you actually use as like the playable section. Now, I prefer all that being on a board rather than just having a mismatch of cards sitting around a table. I didn't. Yeah, I, I didn't dislike that choice. No, I just thought just it was different. Yeah, unique. different. I liked it a lot. I mean, it, it everything was in a place we could easily like find. There's no like, where did that deck go? It's right there in its spot where it needs to be. The only thing I wish we had was there. You have a discard pile and then you have a remove from game pile. And I wish we had a better way of keeping those separate. I think the remove from game just goes to the box. Well, okay, so let me, 
let me put that a different way. So like, like the residence deck, right? Things that you will find when you're out scavenging, you have the active one then you have ones that need to be shuffled in during like the, the crime wave, whatever Then you have ones that are removed from the game. And then you also have ones that are discarded, right? So it's, it's a lot to handle, but I mean, I think that it, it does a lot of it pretty well with what it has. Yeah. The only actual complaint I have is a little benign, but the color of the D20 or D10 being black on a board that is primarily dark colors. I lost that dice on that board at least seven times this game. Um, mechanics. Uh, there's a lot and they're all pretty interesting. So you have action points, cooperative, obviously a little bit of dice rolling the events, a lot of story driven stuff. There's a storybook. You pull it up. It's interesting how like you get to that, like certain things will trigger your story, which draw cards and then there's all different things based on color. So a lot of variability in the story, push your luck. Um, definitely. Um, especially with the randomness, like we're like, do we bring this home and hope that we don't get robbed and lose it? And it's was all pointless or draw things that we need cigarettes for and we don't have any cigarettes. And One mechanic that is kind of minor, but I really enjoy is that um, you change the leader for pretty much every action that you do, which is nice because you might have someone who plays it safe every single action. And there's someone who will probably not play it safe and try to push their luck every time. So it kind of keeps things changing at all times. Um, it's a little bit harder to get into like, what would your character do? Cause you're just sort of, I think it kind of, I think it might've been stronger if you played a character cause it would make you care about them more rather than having a more detached. Well, we can lose this person cause their stats are worse than this, this kind of thing. So I think it may have a little bit more impact if it were like individual assigned characters, but obviously it would significantly change the game too. Having those four characters too is really, um, it's really a challenge on your, on your action economy because anything that happens to them, like any sort of cold, any sort of like um, misery, illness, uh, wounds will severely like impact your ability to do things. Right. I, I liked how that was mechanically tied into stuff. Like I think mechanically it worked really well. I just feel like it may have hit a little bit more thematically if you were playing an individual and you, felt, you know, I I got stabbed. Oh fuck, I'm gonna die. <laughs> like may may have hit a little bit harder than oh, one of our four characters is wounded. How will we go about healing him? My favorite part of the mechanics was just how quick and easy it was to actually get started on a game that offers so much potential complexity and everything kind of uh continues opening it up more mechanics the more you do things even just going for the first day is its own tutorial which kind of goes into our next section uh, learning the game i thought it was fine it was easy enough to learn uh there was a few things that were like they just were not explained at all like on the dice for like combat there's just like a symbol that isn't really like self-explanatory so you kind of have to go looking around and Sometimes you have to like look at other cards and stuff just to kind of get an idea of like, what is this supposed to mean? But minus those like few moments where it's like, oh, I'm not entirely sure. For the most part, it seems like it's it's pretty self-explanatory. You can kind of figure it out, pick it up pretty easy. Yeah, you know, there's a couple different like systems at play here. Like we're not talking about the mechanics. If you're scavenging and you have your, you know, your base building and all that, but it's broken down really nicely into nice, neat little sections. It's explained fairly well in the rule book couple translation errors, I think, yeah. maybe here and there. Um, but it, it's nice. You can pick it up and you can play it. You don't need to understand the entire damn game before you can even start. You're not reading rules for an hour and a half before you actually get into it. You jump in, explains what it needs to, when it needs to, and it lets you play. I think the only tricky part with that style of rule book is, like you said, it's hard to look things up. Like, oh, what is this? 
mean or we didn't understand something and there's really nowhere to be like, well, let me turn to this page for that rule. Here's the page on that. If it doesn't say it, I guess we just have to figure it out or take our best guess. So like there wasn't, I kind of like wish they had that sort of setup and then had like a few extra pages for like, here's a glossary or, or quick lookup kind of stuff would have helped out a lot, I think. Yeah. Going back to uh, the conversation we had about the water token and we were using those marbles for everything because we didn't know what they were for until we finally figured out they were water. Yeah. Uh, player action. I mean, cooperative game. There's a lot of it. Like I said, it's, it's less, here's what my character is going to do and coordinating like what our actions are and more just sort of like the debate over, um, which could be if you did have somebody who tried to push the game and run it all, like that would be an issue. No, it, it, it felt nice though. Like you, we all, there was an awful lot of discussion. Like most of it was discussion. You need to figure out what you're going to do, what you're going to take, what you're not. Um, what are we going to do with our base? Do we need this right now? Like look at our, look at our action cost versus material cost versus all of that. Again, lots of discussion and it really helps that you, you stab have, that rat. <laughs> you know, I'm glad we didn't stab the rat. It seems like it's a lot of effort for not a lot of gain, but <laughs> we've, anyway, like, we've um, ignored like three rats. <laughs> I mean, we were kind of scared of them. Let's be honest. Yeah. We decided as a group that Marin could not take a single rat by or else he would be dying on the floor of that like tenement building. Anyway, what I'm trying to say is it's very nice having a leader who just can say, no, we are going to feed this man. I'm sorry. When it's your turn, you can let him starve. Yeah. You know, everybody gets this. Everybody gets to say, but there's no like, there's no hangups. There's no deadlocks. Yeah. I liked it a lot. Um, all right. And then would you play it again? Alexi? Um, I mean, I'd like to still finish playing it the first time. This game offered that, was it 30 to 120? That's one of the biggest lies I've ever seen in a board game. Maybe if you were playing solo, but whoa, adding six people here for a six-way debate, this game could take you to greater part of a, a few sessions here. Yeah, which it does come with a way to save the game. So uh, I played again. I thought it was pretty fun. Um, I also enjoyed Robinson Crusoe. I like, uh, I kind of like, Pressing games like that. Um, that, that I, I like one thing I do like about this is it added the storybook, which I always enjoy. It's a hard one to say you'd add it to the collection just because, like, it's very depressing. Um, I don't know that, like, it would be a game for every group, obviously. Um, yeah, I would play it again. I mean, for one, we still have to complete it, and I would like I we played enough that even just two days made me want to play the rest of it, and I would absolutely play it again afterwards. I also am a huge fan of depressing games, uh, although I do think I prefer like depressing cooperative games versus like competitive. Yeah, I think if you're going to be sad, you need to be sad together. <laughs> Watch us all fail together. Uh, but overall, yeah, I enjoyed the game. I liked the theme. I thought it was good. I enjoyed the storytelling aspect of it. Um, yeah, I'd play it again. One thing I like over this, over Dead of Winter, is that Dead of Winter has that problem where like one person gets all the good stuff and they're just crushing it and living the great life in the apocalypse and everyone else is just miserable. Just eating shit. Like this, yeah. is, you're kind of all in it together more. So I, I like that about it. With that giant book of potential stories, there's what, in the multiple thousands of events that can actually happen. They did a really good job of integrating that book into the game. I will also say that journal... It just felt nice in your hand. Yeah, no, I, I loved this game a lot. Like it felt, it felt good to play. Like, you know, just mechanically speaking, it felt nice to learn. It felt good to, to discuss it with everybody. Like the, the board felt nice to look at. It was organized well. Um, there was, you know, some, some randomness in there. You know, you have some dice rolling, you know, and of course, luck of the draw, but just everything came together. 
phenomenally. That book adds a lot to it. I, I think. Yeah. 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 And again, it's, it's thick and it just, it just feels so good in your hand. So yeah, I would absolutely play it again. All right. So that was, um, that was this war of mine. If you have any recommendations of games you would like to hear our impressions on, please send them our way. You can do it via email at firstturntabletop, firstturntabletop at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter or Instagram at firstturncast. Podcasting Camel says, please don't forget to rate, review, subscribe on your favorite podcatchers. We look forward to hearing from you. Play more games. What if we wanted to kill somebody because they all want to drink our coffee? If you're all um, turning on each other because yeah, of fucking coffee, like, that's not... <laughs>